0: I can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman.com forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Wow. I just had the opportunity to talk to AJ Osborne and listen to his story um, about adversity. Some very, very challenging adversity um, that he's been through. AJ is in the self-storage industry, and he has multiple other ancillary businesses and into technology, and um, he's got a bunch of things going on. They have a lot under management, and um, I think he has 80 employees. He's 38 years old. It's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a type A go-getter for sure. However, he uh, went through over the last five years, has had some very serious health challenges and we get into that and we talk about the uh, impact on relationships and um, how he started two companies from his wheelchair, which is just incredible. Um, you know, if you're ever having a bad day, just listen to this. Um, you know, if, if, <laughs> if he can get through this and still thrive um, you know, I don't know what problems I have. So that's the way I look at this. It's just incredible um you know, very, very challenging times you know in the hospital that he he went through and uh and certainly affected his family life and everything else and but one of the interesting things he says is that he's happier now than he's ever been, even though he's in daily physical pain um so it's really all about your perspective and what you do once you. Get through that pain and uh, what, how you handle the pain and how you handle the adversity, which is what this podcast is all about. AJ is a phenomenal, phenomenal guest, and his story is perfect for our show. And I know you're going to love it.
1: Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable, and former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people, turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance.
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm very excited today. We have a special guest on with us, AJ Osborne. AJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So AJ runs uh Cedar C- Cedar Creek Wealth, excuse me, and uh self-storage income, among other uh couple of podcasts and and a bunch of other things. So um it, we uh I, I just mentioned to you before we hit record how I kind of follow you on Twitter. And I listened to a recent podcast uh, that you were on and I was so inspired by your story that I'm just, I was like, I, I've got to reach out to that guy. So I really do thank you for coming on. I know you're you're very busy. Um, so for our audience who is a little bit less familiar with you, can you let us know kind of who you are and what you're up to today? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, I, m- my main
2: business and what most most people know me from is a uh, uh, self-storage. So I wrote the best-selling book in the industry as well as have the largest podcast in the industry um, where I talk all about self-storage. I've been in the space since 2004. Um, I've owned several other businesses. I've started up several companies. I've um, got started in insurance, but uh, we own, operate, manage over 2 million net rentable square feet across 10 states, um, we, uh, are fully integrated everything. We own the, the tech stack within our company, property management systems, um, which the tech company is based out of California. I'm based out of Idaho. Um, but, uh, I also founding member of the largest co-op in self-storage. Um, we have I can't remember how many facilities are even under us now. In in, in the co op, uh, we were pioneers in space, like automation, where we connected um, uh, physical assets to software, installing. Uh, ability to do true, what we would call true automation, keyless technology. And we're pioneering the software space to try to really revolutionize that industry and, and take it away through our technology companies. Um, so I've been uh, in the space for a long time. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of my, my, my thing. I love it. it it's amazing. It, man, has it changed
0: well we were talking a little bit about that before we hit recorders you know i self storage is a very popular space to be in now um and for good reason of course and um and this is certainly not a knock on any self storage investors uh, at least for me you you can you can knock them if you want <laughs> but um you know it seems like in the last 4 or 5 years I don't know how many operators have popped up and and I'm sure there's a, there's still room for growth. You can speak to that much better than I can. But the fact that you've been in the space is just, it really says something about your, you know, I think you're going to bring a unique element to this, this episode, whereas somebody who just started in self-storage or just bought one facility last week may not be able to speak to kind of economic changes, market conditions and uh, different states. You mentioned 10 states. So um, the fact that you have that vast experience is, is awesome. And, and, oh, you don't just do self-storage. You mentioned all the ancillary businesses and everything else. So yeah. Anything else you want to mention on the kind of current context before we get into your, your backstory? No, I, I mean, I, you know, I've done online businesses, um, benefits consulting firms. I've started,
2: that's kind of where I got my space and I've started, um, more, um, and you know it it is an interesting landscape and i think you're right in self-storage and i don't knock on anybody that's in the space because you got to start sometime um but you're you're right most people in self-storage that anybody even knows about they've only been around in the last five years and it's been the best five years in the storage industry's history by far like it's crazy covid really helped and i think that has really shaped like that contents like you can even feel right you, you hear it and you feel it mm-hmm. around storage where it, it it's it's palpable and it's a, a shiny object and it seems like all these people are just making so much money and yeah. you know it, it, it makes for a very interesting environment that never existed before and i think it you're right it, it lacks a lot of context and it, no matter what business i've started investing in or anything um, I try to be level-headed. I try not to be a cheerleader, which is funny because I am the largest podcast and the largest-selling <laughs> book in the space. But yeah. I try not to be. I try to say, you know, listen. The idea here is that we're gaining financial independence and freedom, and that self-storage is a vehicle. But right. it is it, this. This isn't rolling the dice. This isn't this. Isn't, and and um, self-storage has changed. A lot of people aren't aware of it, which makes them, I think, really unaware of the risks, but also unaware of their ability to take advantage of the industry. And I think that's a social thing that happens within economics, right? We get hyped up, people get feverish and they they start, it's just like, you feel like you can't win or you can't lose. And then it goes the other way where people are like, this asset's over and it's done. And neither one of those extremes are true at all.
0: Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'd like to get your thoughts later on where we're potentially headed. No, no one knows for sure, but, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those in the last, you know, I guess I'll say six, seven years ago when I was really kind of looking at different asset classes outside of single family homes. And, um, it was self-storage, mobile home parks, And, um, you know, maybe senior living seemed to be kind of like the, the three uh, uh, other than just the blanket multifamily, um, that everyone seems to be on too. But, um, so yeah, I'd like to get, get to that later, but for now, let's dive into your backstory. Um, of course we don't have time to cover every detail of, of your life, but I, um, was absolutely moved. Like I said, when I, when I heard you on another show, um, regarding, specifically your health challenges that you've faced. And I know you've been very open about this stuff on Twitter and different, uh, I think, different websites and things. So I I appreciate that. Um, I think it's just helpful for our listeners, when the guest is willing to be vulnerable, I mean, and, um, and just relatable and and human. And, uh, you know, this is not an episode to to get into how to do self-storage or what's coming. You know, th- this isn't a financial, um, we're not giving investment advice or anything like that. This is more focused on, look, we're all human. We all face challenges. And, um, but that doesn't have to stop you. So, um, yeah, you can pick it up where you'd like to, as far as the yeah. uh, the, the health challenges. And, and again, people can, if they really want to dive into it, to it there are other resources out there um uh, but um yeah where would you say where do you want to start with that
2: yeah so um honestly this is probably what i've uh, become most known for uh very unique circumstances um and i i, I don't I, I i try not to um hold anything back i try, I, I try to talk openly about it um And I think that it's good too. I wish more people would because I think that we see people on top and you say you're winning the game right now. And that makes it's because you're either perfect or you have everything going. Maybe I'm wrong. At least that's what I did. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? It was like, you're killing it. And if, you know, like must be nice. Oh, it must be nice if I had that ability or I had that, right? Which, um, you know, I'd kind of gotten some of uh, a lot of that too. And the reality is that there's, I, that I know of and never seen a path that isn't without major adversity. And sometimes it takes major life changing adversity to make life changing moves. And unfortunately, that's, you know a lot of time that's not in the way you wanted to it definitely wasn't for me um <laughs> yeah, and it was definitely unexpected um the short story uh, real quick and then i can kind of yeah. go into it uh, uh more but um almost overnight perfectly healthy um 33 um i'm yeah i think it was 33 i'm 38 now and um i was backpacker fly fisherman working full time for a brokerage firm as so i was uh uh health insurance brokerage company uh we manage health benefit dollars as i was building my real estate uh empire and i had just had our fourth child i didn't My wife did but we <laughs> had a got it, got um, it. definitely not taking claim to that uh but we just had our fourth uh, child he was three months and um we were running around traveling and i became uh, um basically a quadriplegic overnight um I wasn't due to an accident. We didn't know what was going on. So for the first couple of days, I had uh, gotten into the bathtub because my legs were killing me. I was in a lot of pain and I went to get out. Wife's putting kids to bed, everything like that. Went to get out and I couldn't move oh, my legs. My legs stopped working. Um, we, She had somebody else grab the kids, take care of the kids. She rushed me to the hospital and within... Days, I didn't ever really say goodbye to the kids or anything. And within days, I was um, being put into a coma. And when I woke out of the coma, I was on uh, complete life support. So I couldn't do anything, um, talk, nothing. Uh, and I was hooked to tubes that were keeping me alive. And um, I laid there for over two months. Then I finally got off the tubes. After that, meaning I could breathe on my own. Um, and then I started to learn how to uh, do everything again um, use my hands, uh, walk. I, I mean, walk came way later, uh, but occupational therapy, eat, drink, um, everything. Wow. Um, Just... And that, uh, I was fired in the hospital. So I'm not fired. I guess you could say let go because there was no expiration date. I was not leaving the hospital. Nobody knew when we had a two month period of time that we didn't know if I ever would leave if we were just going to flip the switch and, and end it because um, I uh, I wasn't moving. There was nothing. Nothing was happening for me. Wow. Um, just- and the whole time during this, I was in incredible amounts of pain. Hmm. My nervous system had been completely shredded apart and destroyed um, so, according to my brain, uh, mm, every piece of my body had been ripped to shreds, <laughs> so uh, I didn't sleep for weeks. The only way I slept is I would pass out, uh, so my body would just shut down and then I would sleep for a little bit and then wake right back up to um, intense searing pain that they couldn't stop, They, no matter how much meds they gave. Back, my wife at once was just like, you have to give him more meds. And they're like, if we give him any more, we're going to kill him. They're like, if we gave you what he was on right now, you would die within like a minute. It would just it'd kill you. And so they're just like, we can't. There's nothing more we can do. They couldn't stop it. Um, and so I'd lost my job. I was uh, paralyzed now, uh, 33, four kids. She's had an infant. I didn't get to see my kids for a long time because we didn't. They, they didn't know what to do. They were like, I, I, we don't know what to tell the kids, right? It's like, what, what do we tell the kids? So it was like, dad's sick, but we don't have
0: answers. So, so, they, like, so they didn't know what, what your condition was or at all? So they
2: your- figured it out after a few days, um, but they didn't have an outcome. Got so there, there was no way to fix it, right? There's nothing they could do. So it was like, we're going to put him on tubes and keep him alive. And if his body can come back, it can come back. But- there's no no one knows so it was one of those periods where you're like what do you you bring the kids in and tell them dad's going to be okay or not when you don't know so we waited for a month and then finally it was like you just have to bring them in and you have to show them and you have to tell them and um you have to try to work that with the kids that this is dad now and, uh, you know, we, we're we going to figure this out. We we, we think he's going to get better. We hope he'll get better, right? But um, So I went a month without seeing my children except for uh, my baby who would lie next to me because I could move my lips, right? So I could play with him moving my lips and giving him little kisses and things like that. So they just lay him on the pillow. And that was the highlight of everything. I don't know what I would have done without that kid. Like, I mean, just he every every time i just look and wait in the hospital for that kid to come in um he was the only little bit of joy I, uh, joy i had but from there my brother actually moved from hawaii moved in basically to the hospital stayed with me every single night um, because i was suffering from something that was called icu delirium um, which would give me mass hallucination uh, hallucinations there was no windows i'd lost my senses so my mind would struggle to find grips with reality of where I was. Cause like, I, di- I didn't know, like you're lying in a bed, completely paralyzed. So all the, uh, the senses that you have are gone. So the mm-hmm. brain starts to struggle and because you're in a room for so long.
0: Um, yeah. You have no context of where uh, like you relationships, you know, yep. where things are, where, where the parking lot is or whatever else. I mean, yeah, no, I um, didn't know where it was time
2: lost all meaning. I thought hmm. I'd been there for years. And so they'd stay with me by my side. And my brother, when we, when I'd move into more of that delusional state and hysteria, he would be there to try to bring me back and try to, you know, get me back on. And so we did that for a while. And then from there, I got, was in a rehab facility and they were working with me to learn how to uh, get on and off my wheelchair and how to um, try to make it so I could function, not being in the hospital. Um, and after that, um they sent me home paralyzed and that was it there was nothing else it was go home here's the meds to try to make the pain not be as bad but nothing else to do
0: i just there's it's just i don't even this is there's so many ways we could go with this so many questions i just obviously can't fully relate but um and so this was only five years ago is that what you said you're- yeah. So this was okay. five
2: years ago. I'm still partially paralyzed in my lower legs. I still, uh, have 24 seven pain. Um, and my lower legs don't function correctly. I can't run. I can't, you know, do things like that. They don't, mm-hmm. uh, they don't quite work like that, but, um, you know, I'm walking, which was more than we expected. So we, we're, could not be happier. Obviously, with okay. where I'm at, I'm sitting here and talking to you. Yeah. And I can walk <laughs> and hold my kids. I can, you know, get in the pool with them, and I, I you know, I'll deal with all the other problems because they're just minute compared to
0: where, where we were. Mm-hmm. So, in the the context, so you had a full time job, but you also had you obviously had been in self storage and many other yeah. things. Just for, from an investment standpoint, what what else did you have, or small business standpoint, what else did you have going on at that time?
2: So at the time, that was, it was my self-storage company and my job, and that was it. After gotcha. I lost my job, I expanded my self-storage empire, and I started a couple of uh, businesses out of my wheelchair.
0: And those were self-storage related, No, one of
2: them was an online company. Another one was a benefits brokerage uh, company. And then not another one was a private equity company,
0: so three. So, wow. Um, now, do you want to say what the uh, what your condition is, or or what yeah, caused it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's uh, Guillain Barré. Um, so mm-hmm.
2: uh, Guillain uh, um a white blood cell blood problem. So normally uh, Guillain is much more mild, I think, mm-hmm. than I was the. Worst of the worst case scenario you could have outlier right? case. Yep, mm-hmm. I was outlier, and um, mm-hmm. so I, 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 you know, I tell my wife, I everything I do, I do big. So you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have been. You know, <laughs> Why or, are you surprised? For the course. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Like, uh, you know,
0: so that's that's you know, hilarious. That's, that's awesome. right. So uh, yeah, I got to find some humor it in it. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> okay so and that was i know you it's not something that you catch
2: or anything else like that Mm -hmm. everybody has it It, it's just because it's not anything so it's kind of weird even trying to explain it because it's not like it's something it's not like a disease that you have it's not a problem um Mm -hmm. what 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 happens is you have a trigger and something Mm -hmm. happens within the body those white blood cells get massively confused and they think that this outlier that came in They get it confused with your central nervous system. So then your body produces white blood cells at extreme amounts, like just Mm -hmm. mass and mass amounts of white blood cells. And then the white blood cells rip your nervous system to bits and sever your brain from your body.
0: And I know because you went into a lot more detail in the, I guess it was the Tribe of Millionaires podcast a couple of months ago that came out probably will be, you know, four or five months ago once this airs. So if people want to listen to that show, I mean you go into a lot of detail about what caused the the condition, which was vaccine related, right? Um, not COVID vaccine. And you talk I remember you talked about, you know, the whole controversy with COVID vaccines and all that. And um and so, but it sounds like this was most likely caused by a a whole bunch of vaccines that were given to you pre uh, before an international trip. Right.
2: I was headed to Brazil and um, that's, that's the number one trigger is um, uh, the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine. Mine wasn't either one of those. So this was prior to COVID and it wasn't the flu vaccine. It was actually the MMR. Um, So I don't know how many people just Shut down, shut off your podcast. So I saw. Uh, sorry, <laughs>
0: for some reason I became no.
2: very controversial in the last yeah, like, two years, and I'm like, I didn't do it. I'm sorry, but uh, and so it's uh, you know it, inter- no. interesting
0: effect on uh, that has on people when they. But well, well we're satellite. just speaking about what happened to you and the facts. Exactly. And, <laughs> so, and the thing is, <laughs> I was traveling to Brazil
2: you... to go fly fishing. And so I just had to get updated on my MMRs. And I, I mm-hmm. used to live in Brazil. So I'd already had it and I didn't have anything happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd already been fully uh, vaccinated Immu- before. I like already had the MMRs and everything yep. else. It was my 10-year time. I had to get a uh, redone. And um, it was at that time time i uh, uh, received that and then that's what happened that's actually how they diagnosed that's how they figured out what um ha- what, what was going on
0: that's just wild i mean it's just i mean you know it probably means nothing but i'm very sorry that you've had to deal with all of this um I appreciate you know and, and and again you know this is <laughs> I remember you saying you're, you're not anti-vaccine and <laughs> COVID no. vaccine or anything like that. So this is not meant to be a controversial take. It's just, this is, I mean, I think just having it's more the information, the reality. reality. And uh, so now think, it, it's, you know, when you look ahead. at
2: it, it goes back to what I was even talking about, self storage and everything. People are too mm. extreme.
0: <laughs> right. It,
2: it, like it's, you gotta understand we have gray areas and I would suggest everybody, um, don't be so harsh on these subjects and understand this area. At the end of the day, there's right around roughly 3% of everyone that takes a vaccine. They're going to be in trouble. They're going mm-hmm. to die. They're going to end up like me. They're going to have issues. That's not controversial. That's, mm-hmm. that's facts. Right. That's right. We accept that as society. Like I tell people, I'm happy to have what happened to me so my kids don't have polio. I'm fine with that. I'm okay to take (laughs) that fall for society, Mm -hmm. but it's ridiculous that people don't accept the people that take that fall. They are. I mean, we, we accept, and I accept a lot of things. I I accept things like guns. I accept things like I, I, we have risks in this world that I accept and I'm one of them. And you should realize that. And instead of like being upset by it or anything else like that, we should be grateful for people that have to go through those challenges. So that we can. The COVID vaccine is not perfectly safe. Am I grateful that my dad isn't going to die of COVID because he got the shot? Yes. Did I give it to my kids? No. There's gray area people. (laughs) It's like we need to be accepting of that. And I think that's part of adversity. Like when you go through adversity, when Mm -hmm. you're doing it, people should be open to understanding that adversity that you went through that they didn't go through so we can have understanding that we can pull things from it that are. Tangible that are real that we can utilize in our life. I'm not talking about vaccine. I'm talking about all adversities.
0: Mm -hmm. And to
2: be staunch about certain things is not an educated or an intelligent way to go about life.
0: No, absolutely. I've definitely uh, learned that more and more as I've gotten older myself. Just there's a lot of gray in the world. It's great to have principles and and the things you can rely on. That's that's you know we need that standards. Um, but not everything's black Mark, and white. Not um, man. so when you, let's get to your, uh, of course it was, I mean, there, you know, we have people on the show who kind of maybe created their own adversity through some bad choices and, and then maybe it took a long time. I've done that plenty uh, of
2: times too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark Owens, our first episode, he, he, this guy was, you know, it's a phenomenal episode. He was on drugs like illegal drugs, selling drugs, robbing banks I mean this was way years ago, and then he then he completely changed his life around, turned his life around, became a real estate investor and um, now is financially free incredible story, but he had a lot to do with you know his own adversity yep. happening to him in this case, I mean, it, it kind of just happened to you. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you've made bad choices, like you just said. Um, but it's just, uh, this, yeah, is- I didn't have anything really to do
2: with this. Yeah. And I, it was, I didn't have a choice. Right.
0: So. And it was, it was instantaneous, pretty much too. I mean, just, and then the fact that you lost your job. Nobody even I mean, knew just- where I went.
2: My office, literally, everybody was like, where's AJ? And <laughs> on Monday, and everybody, and nobody could talk about her, or tell her, or say anything. And it was all of a sudden i just evaporated from the face of the earth i was gone that is crazy. and nobody so knew what was happening they're like why can't we get a hold of aj i mean it was like when we say flip a light switch it was not only one day Are am i normal i'm four kids i'm a high performer right. i am like i'm outdoorsy <laughs> right. i work out every day to evaporating from the face of the earth but
0: not dead that is so- so now of course there's been um you know i'm sure many different you know kind of aha moments or transitional periods over the last five years but what would you say has helped you get through this you mentioned your youngest son spending time there and, and obviously your your brother and your wife you've already mentioned as well um but uh as far as mindset let's let's go there first um what would you yeah, say let, are let kind me of a- just let
2: me share with you this, this is the clearest distinction i was sitting in the hospital and i was in a wheelchair and um, I don't like to blame other people and I don't like to, like, I, I just in no way, shape or form am I like, I want to sue the companies and how could they do this to me? And like, it, I think, first of all, the number one thing is we have to, even in adversity, remain very pragmatic. And the idea that nothing bad should happen to me is so egotistical. <laughs> it's mind baffling. So Mm -hmm. to lash out because bad things happen has nothing to do with the bad things, but more to you. And I mean that sincerely and not as in a dismissive way, because trust me, I know things are horrific and trials in life can be horrible. What I mean by that is you shouldn't go through life with the expectation that that won't happen. We are all going to die and dying is not fun. I hear that from a lot of people. Dying's not fun. And it's that's just part of life, right? So I think that, and this is really easy to say, but it's really right. hard to do. And, right. and to give you context, it's not like when I was going through it, I was happy. I was right. very upset at my family that they were keeping me alive. I did not understand mm. why they would not let me die. Wow. It was far worse than death what I was going through. Mm. And they were doing me a massive injustice by keeping me alive. Mm. And they knew that and they knew we were only going to we were only going to torture him for so long and then we're going to pull the plug and let him die. And so it was not something that is like, oh yeah, I got better and he's like, oh no. No, 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 no. I I I begged, screamed in my head and prayed every day to die. And so wow. when you go through things like this, first of all, there are things that are so much farther worse than death, divorce, bankruptcy. Um many of the things that we face today. And I became a little less, I I became way sympathetic on one side, but I became a lot less sympathetic to a lot of the struggles that, I I use air quotation, that we go through right now. We are in the greatest country that is the highest, (laughs) like we are so spoiled. Right. All of us. Absolutely. Me, I'm so spoiled, right? (laughs) And And that's okay as long as we recognize it. And so I think we have to go about a mindset of mental toughness that mm-hmm. is not saying it's not there. I bawled, I, you know, I bawled today. I get exhausted. I fall down even today. I just want to end up in tears. Mental toughness isn't that you're not showing emotions. It's not that you're crying, right? right? It's that you keep up getting up and going and that you don't become a horrible human being because adversity turns you into it. Now, right. this is really tough and this is not easy. And this is not something, but it is part of life. And I see so many people that we go through life and we have things that I would, you know, today I would never even call adversity and they become horrible human beings due to what are very mild things that even though I understand when they're going through it, it's horrific. Just like what I went through, it was horrific. We mentioned this before, like trauma and problems, like our brain can't segment. Like I hear people and they're like, oh yeah, I broke both of my legs once and I was in a wheelchair for three months, but it's, I don't want to talk about it because it's nothing like you. And I'm like, it's exactly <laughs> like it. you had massive adversity. You were in pain, right? And it's like, and to, to me, honestly, I think probably if I got a divorce, that would be harder than what I went through it's like our brain has a really hard time distinguishing when it hurts, when it's a problem, it mm-hmm. feels like it's the end of the world.
0: Right. Every time yeah. it doesn't
2: matter if it's small or big,
0: it's sure. horrible. So you were so two months in the wheelchair, you said, or is, is, or two two, two no, months where you over were in the bed, two months
2: on tubes,
0: on tubes, and then and then how long in a wheelchair?
2: Um, over the next three years, I was in and out of a wheelchair, leg braces and arm crutches to move and to walk. And again, and
0: then, I, this is not meant to you know bring back pain. It's just to get arm, more context. Arm, I'm okay digging into the pain. (laughs) I mean, you got to understand, I laid
2: naked in bed, hooked to tubes, doing nothing. They would roll me on my side to bathe me for months. Like, I have no pride anymore on that kind of stuff. (laughs) Like It's just like, it is what it is. And I, you know, I think we should lean into it and we should talk about pain. Mm -hmm. And we should talk about the reality of life instead of hiding
0: away from it. And too often, we want to be dismissive of these things. And we should... So how did you get from, you know, that one, I mean, wanting to die to deciding you wanted to create two businesses, you know, from your wheelchair. I mean, there's obviously, yeah. Talk us through that, that progression. In the hospital, I knew I was going to leave.
2: I was in rehab and I was sitting in my wheelchair looking outside out the window. I was very happy to be in rehab and in a wheelchair at this point, um, because that meant I had freedom. Like, Like it is hard to it's hard for someone to understand what a wheelchair means to somebody that can't walk the freedom to be able to go to use the bathroom is incredible. Yeah. And I, you know, I was like, it, it's, I mean, we got involved in a charity where we took uh take um, wheelchairs to people in third world countries that don't have it. Cause it was just like,
0: Holy cow, yeah. that wheelchair was amazing. So I can relate to that on some level. And I mentioned to you before we hit record, and I bring this up way too much, but ruptured my Achilles last year, not the end of the world, right? But man, you have no, well, you do, but many people, I i had no idea how much I would care for my <laughs> knee scooter or appreciate my knee yeah. scooter. And I joked with my wife, you know, I was closer to that thing than I was yeah. with her. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, I mean, so much freedom and, and the so fact, oh, and then I got, then I got a basket on the front and I'm not, then I could actually use my hands. I didn't have to carry things with my hands. I could put things and, in the basket it was Incredible, it's incredible. <laughs> amazing. it incredible. <was> amazing.
1: <laughs> like,
2: and it's weird to talk about or, or, and think yeah. about this, but yeah. when you're in these situations and for me, the littlest things became so amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first time I drank water, like we have videos one of the first time that I eat and I'm helping me put this watermelon up to my mouth as i'm trying to learn you know how to eat again and i mm. take a bite and i eat and i don't choke it die and everybody <laughs> cheers the whole room <laughs> cheering and i'm looking around like i'm a three-year-old that you know what i mean and it was yeah i'm 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 proud of it i still sure. it. you know and it's like <laughs> it's so dumb and so little yeah. but like no, you're saying that's, it, that's it is awesome amazing and so, so yeah I, when i was in my wheelchair and i'm looking outside I think what what really happened was I was trying to be very conscientious. These things we're talking about, I tried to lean into it, not avoid. I didn't want to sit and I didn't want to stew. And I said, "We got to think this through, AJ, because you're. We all know you're screwed up right now. Like, there's no way you wouldn't be. There, you were screwed up. And I was in. You know, they. I I handled it. I think very well. And Mm -hmm. they were very concerned with, because people after my position, suicide rate, um, Mm -hmm. death rate, um, physical harm to others is extraordinarily high. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to go through a lot of, before they'll release you, of these counseling, counseling, therapy stuff, so they can release you on your own. And I was going through that. And I think Mm -hmm. it was probably the day that... They were doing that. And the first question they asked me was, do you want to kill your wife? And I looked up and I was like, excuse me? And she looked at me and she said, do you want to kill your wife? And I was like, um, oh my gosh, no. Like, are you kidding me? She's like my savior over here, right? Uh, we we're obviously mm-hmm. alone in the room. Then the next question was, um, do you want to kill your children? And it was so extreme and it was so shocking to me. But what was more extreme and shocking was how a hundred percent serious she was and how concerned she was about it. Mm -hmm. And after she left and after I'd gone through these questions and this was one of many to come, I'm looking Mm -hmm. out the window at my wheelchair and I'm like, AJ, this is, this is, you are going to become this person. You are either going to become AJ in the wheelchair or you're going to become AJ something else. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean AJ in the wheelchair as in, you can't walk. I was fine not walking. I was fine staying in my wheelchair. I meant that I identified as that. This became me and it it ruined me to the core. And it was right there. I go, you have two choices. That's it. This is so extreme. There's only two ways to look at this. You are going to become that guy. You are going to not be able to hold a job. You're going to be addicted to drugs. You're going to be sitting in a wheelchair and you're going to lose your family and your kids Mm -hmm. um, because you can't deal with this. You can't move forward or you're going to become somebody else. And it's not who you were before. Mm -hmm. It's not who you are now. You don't know who it is, but you'll become. And those are the only two options that you have. Mm -hmm. And I just said right there, I won't become that guy. Mm -hmm. And then everything evolved around this future AJ and who he was and how he lived and how he treated his kids and Mm -hmm. you know what he did for others. And I think that set me on a path of such incredible gratitude and almost obsessive compulsiveness about being someone but that person that mm-hmm. i went on overdrive and i started starting companies and i started you know nonprofits and Um, I work harder than I had the biggest excuse in the world to not work. And I work harder than, you know, my, my employees (laughs) are just like, it's crazy. Nobody can keep up with you. And they're like, we don't understand it. You, you have a bag full of meds that you literally carry around with you and you can hardly walk and we can't even keep up. And I'm like, if only you were at where I was, you were at where I was, you would know why. Um, so it's a choice though. And I think we Mm -hmm. can make it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why too, I think that what happened to me was for the better. I wouldn't take it away. I, 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 I'm i a better person because of it, because I learned how to make that choice. And that mm-hmm. fades away. So like, it's even now five years later, it's really yeah. hard. Like I'm building a house and I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting really <laughs> upset over things that don't matter. And I sit right. back and I'm like, you're, you're going back to that guy.
0: You're <laughs> becoming <laughs> somebody that you yeah. should have left
2: behind. This doesn't yeah. matter. Right. And it's something that I have to continually, and, and this is why I think I love talking about it because like, it's reminding me right now, AJ. It's like, <laughs> do better, be more, be better. Remember how it was.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not even going to charge you for this therapy session. So that's- Thank you. I appreciate that. That's how that. kind this I is am. very helpful. So. <laughs> <laughs> very <Okay>. helpful. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's just like, I mean, we could, there's so many, that's just, your story is incredible. And that so you made that decision and then- Started multiple companies afterwards. Um, wow. I mean,
2: my wife started a school and a nonprofit that teaches kids about the real world, about economy, finances. It talks about, um, we talk a lot about emotional and intelligence and building confidence and changing your surroundings. And the school exploded. She's got hundreds of kids. We have a whole new campus, it's a nonprofit. That's awesome. What's it it called? It's called Innovate Academy. So she started that after we got out of, after I got out of the hospital, it was, we, our tolerance for things that we didn't like was at an all time low, but (laughs) our complaining also hit an all time low. As in, if our tolerance is nothing and we're not doing something about it, we just need to shut up or (laughs) we need to do something about it and we shouldn't let other people do things. Or like yeah. we shouldn't expect other people to change things that we need to be changed. And so even she, it changed her so much. She did this. Yeah.
0: No, it's, that's awesome. You guys took, you know, easy for me to say, right. But you took ownership. You took responsibility. You, you, you became the change you wanted to see in the world. It sounds like, um, it's tried, that's, but that's, And that's,
2: and too, that's what I think. Like all you can do, like that's, I, that's the number one thing you got to take away from this. It's like, okay, I, I'm a dyslexic kid that's ADHD that is now partially paralyzed. And it's like, I, I can't, you know, I have to deal with all this crap in my life. I have four kids. I have 80 plus employees um, wow. and we have hard <laughs> days. We, it, it sucks. I don't know why we're doing what we're doing. I, <laughs> you know, I get tired to the ends, And the point is, is you just make the choice to go do it and mm-hmm. it's like you get but you always everybody has that choice every single person and it's not that it's executed perfectly oh no we screw up so much we mess up so much it's about doing it and I, it's i hope that my kids feel that i hope my you know i hope that yeah i just i hope that that's what people learn it's not about me it's not about necessarily what i'm doing i hope i could say okay we know that we can. It, it's never going to be easy. And I think that was maybe one of the good things about being paralyzed and always being in pain. This idea that it should be easy or even fun, that, that evaporated from my life. I haven't woken up in over five years that was not because I was in pain. I, it hasn't happened. Like I, So every day to me is just an acceptance of I'm going to be in pain. This is going to hurt. So then all of a sudden it became, does it matter? No, it really doesn't. Because it's it's the same, and I wish I would have learned that without becoming paralyzed. That <laughs> sure. would have been so much <laughs> easier to do. <laughs> right. Like I mean, <laughs> but
0: yeah. Well, I, I will say, just having done a bunch of shows now, uh, a bunch of episodes for for this show one of the common themes is that it it's just it's not about you and and I don't mean you personally but yeah. just that's where people get to who have been through some extreme adversity is it's about others and and serving a, a greater purpose and being a part of something bigger than yourself uh otherwise 100%. although it's you know you need to go through that phase where you're you're focused on the pain and you're you're leaning into it and you're focused on your condition at some point what are you going to do about it? And and you, and it's, and it's, you just got to look, you know, I I'll say higher or at some you know, huh. bigger purpose. Um, and so I just, th- that's been one of the themes through the show, which has been, you know, just driven home through with each guest. Um,
2: I, I love it. And I think honestly,
0: you know, me and my
2: family were happier than we were before. I, I'm in pain every day and I'm happier than I was before. <laughs> and it's like, yes. it, this is a, there was a study done by, um, oh, okay. I'm going to say it was in the 1970s and it was, it's called, um, mouse utopia. You heard of this? Okay. So, um, not sure. So it, what they did in the 1970s and you can look it up. I, I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Steinberg yeah. or something like that. Of course, it okay. was like some German name, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it, uh, the mice, what he does is he creates a mice utopia and he puts five females, five males into an area where they have all the bedding that they need. There's no predators. They're never exposed to predators. They have
0: John, John Calhoun, 1960s mouse utopia, right? That's
2: right. And, um, 1960s. And, um, they give all the food that these, that these mice could ever want. Right. And so there's no adversity to these mice at all, nothing. At first, the mice flourish, they're healthy, they're having babies, they're doing a great job. And long story short, by the end of like, it's this is over a long period of time, but like once it gets into multiple, they're killing each other, their mice, um, they stop mating, the males retreat and become uh, recluses, they get diseases um their social fabric of the mice completely break down they start eating like the babies um and it like any normal thing that you would ever see mm-hmm. is gone it's out the window wow. and they found that the moment you took away all the restraints of the heart that you actually took away death for these guys I mean, you actually took away problems um they went extinct the mouse colony went extinct without adversities oh, right. not only could they not thrive they died off wow. and so they got that's, to 60 mice the whole entire thing could hold it was like over 100 they never reached peak capacity they never reached everything until they started deteriorating and and it all went away that's, and that's, that's true wild. with life right. if you're too comfortable you're not going to be happy and that's a that's a such contrary things that we have in our minds that mm-hmm. is so hard to come to grips with because our minds are set on one thing one thing only comfort I need more food, I don't want to be in the sun. I need to survive right sure. like i I need to stay away from danger. I need to be comfortable, and in comfort, we find uh you know peace and things like that in sure. those moments. but if you take away and it's only comfortable and i and I right. think that has a lot to do with what we see in society today what's going absolutely.
0: on absolutely yeah no, and I think it goes back to what you said before about either extreme comfort, you need comfort, right? You need, you need safety. Yeah, you need to survive. 30.
2: You don't want to be caved and <laughs> um, all die. <dying. laughs>
0: right. So, but the extreme of comfort, 100% is not good either. So, um, we're uh, running a little short on time and I know you have, a, I mean, 80 employees. Uh-huh. So I think you have a couple couple things you probably got to get to. Um, let's fire, I'm going to fire off a few questions here and, and then we'll wrap it up. Do it. Um, what would you say... What do people misunderstand about you?
2: Oh, geez. That's, that's a, <laughs> holy cow, man. You're, you got good questions. Um, uh, we can skip well, it if you want. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to think about that one. That's, that's a great, great question. I, All I, right, I'm, let's
0: do this. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be?
2: <sighs> okay, coffee with any historical figure.
0: Can be a present day you know, person or, or past
2: yeah um so wow um i i can think of presidents i can think of uh teddy roosevelt abraham lincoln obviously george washington but then too i can also think of more uh you know like jesus christ as he went through his life what that looked like i mean uh, uh, Buddha, uh, uh, like there are so many people that are like, I wouldn't want to talk to, but I think it would actually probably be closer to today because I would want to understand. I think right now, if I was really thinking about it, it would probably be way more to do with the founding fathers. I would want to see it the turn of the world, When everything was going on and as the recreation of new society was happening, what the mentality, the thought process was, I'd want to understand where they were coming from. I'd want to understand what they were thinking and how they were looking because we've just gotten so far a lot. And that obviously directly affects my everyday life, everything that I do. So I feel like I could pull a lot away from that that would help Mm -hmm. me would help yep. me share with others. So it would probably be some uh, one of the founding fathers founding to understand fathers, yeah. the time and things like that.
0: Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, what is a challenge that you're facing in your business right now? Hiring.
2: Um, I need really good people, but we, we don't hire for executioners. I'm hiring for growth. So i'm hiring people that can come in and they can help me build my business to where we need to take it so we're at whatever 300 plus million dollars in assets and we're trying to get to a billion in the next two years and so these people that i'm but i have to bring on these aren't you know these are people that are going to fundamentally shape our company and so these are hires that i have to be so particular about Mm -hmm. and i've been I, I think I've been nervous about finding the right people, getting those right people in, and the lack of, I think, options available out there of good mm-hmm. people
0: to bring in that yeah. they, they can do that. I think that's that, a pretty big thing. Is, is hiring something that you, you're, it sounds like you're very involved with it personally. Only the executives. Gotcha.
2: So The executives. So that's what I'm talking about. The lower yeah. hiring is always, it's really hard during times like this but it's not as impactful. So, and I don't mean that as a degrading thing. I mean, the people at the upper level, I'm hiring them for 20 years to make our company what it will be, not what it's today. At the lower level, it's to keep things operating as today. And so that it's a totally different type of person. And that's really difficult to find right now.
0: And those people you're hiring are going to be making decisions about hiring other people, I would would presume. They'll shape the Uh, culture
2: of the company. They're going to shape who we are and, you know, culture isn't something you write down on a piece of paper. Culture is something that the people create because of who they are.
0: Absolutely. And it's huge within a company. Um, what would you say? So just real quickly, we're, again, running long on time, short on the rest of our time. But where do you think, uh, you know, we're headed in the markets? I mean, in general. The
2: next few years aren't going to be fun. Yeah. They're not. It, we, we're we're gonna have stag- we going to have stagnation. We already do. Housing market's going to stagnate. People are going to stop moving. Uh, 99% of uh, all mortgages are under today's interest rates. Of that, over 80% of every single mortgage in the United States is half of today's interest rate. Um, we are going to see major challenges with um, the unprecedented amount of debt and money that has been printed. We have to get rid of it now. That's coming through a harsh restructuring period. We put on so much, it won't happen. We are just trying to figure out a path now to get it. So our economy is transitioning from an old world to a new world. And the uh, social problems within the United States um, that is caused at the end of these long-term debt cycles and what we're seeing as it plays out, um, it hits you on all sides. It hits from social. It hits economically. It hits politically. It hits the family. Um, so when I say it, it's going to be hard, I, I mean that more than economically, because all like, people think like social problems, right, are generate change things like that. Social problems are actually um, more occurrences of economic things that are happening. So mm-hmm. the reason we got rid of slaves was due to economic problems it wasn't due to enlightenment right no people were not doing horrible horrific things due to economic incentive stuff and that's hard for us to imagine today but it wasn't tell the freedom that the industrial revolution brought on that not just in America the whole world was mm-hmm. really able to come off the necessary for human capital these big transitionary times in the economy world economies Right. They're difficult. They're hard. Mm -hmm. And so over the next years, we're moving through this transitionary period into something else. And we hope that we are going to do this with ease. And by ease, I just don't mean that it happens in wars, things like that. Right. But we are now at the first time that we've had a major foreign power invade another one since the world wars. And this is that transition that we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, it's going to be rough we're going I, I I'm an eternal optimistic we will mm-hmm. prevail um mm-hmm. but because of that roughness it's going to cause major social problems and it's you know we see it we feel it today it's not going away it's going to it has more chances of getting worse than it does better it's not mm-hmm. going to get better anytime soon and it's just it has to accept it it's going to take a while we have to get rid of the money in the economy we have to get back to a productive, functioning economy where people are actually working, we're producing, we're doing things, we're eliminating debt um, down, we're getting rid of this excess cash that has just been given by all the governments of the world that have just created increased demand and cratered supply chains. And it's this is a mess, and it's going to yeah. take a while to get out of.
0: Are you guys doing anything in your your business because of anything you can highlight specifically? Yeah, um, yeah. we started restructuring
2: acquisitions about uh, two years ago. We said, I, I was big, I said, there's going to be inflation. Then when it was transitory inflation, I'm like, it's not transitory. So mm-hmm. we started buying projects that were uniquely able to um, hedge against inflation and then mm-hmm. take advantage of it. And that's been extraordinarily profitable for us. So it's been, you know, it, it, it's we're and we're moving towards that. So inflation, how we predict it, what we're looking at, we've completely changed our our capital allocation, our projects, our building, what we're doing with investors over the last uh, three years. For this, we t- took massive uh, moves in 2009 and 10. Um, After the Great Recession, we took another bunch of massive moves right when COVID hit and financial markets were shutting down for the first three months. We went on um, uh, big buying sprees. And now we, after COVID and all the printing, we started to restructure where we're buying, why we're buying it. um, And we're moving forward in that way. The the economy's shifting. We're building different, we're building things that we've never done before because how demand's moving, how it's shifting. Um, that we think is going to play really well uh, during these times of unrest. Um, We're betting on places that will benefit from uh, unrest. We're seeing mass migration in the United States. Mm -hmm. So if there's unrest, there's, there's certain parts of the United States. The United States is a tale of two cities. It's not going to be the same. The outcome of what's going to happen in certain states versus other states will be dramatically different. So we are very particular about where we're investing, mm-hmm. where we're putting capital, where we're hiring people um, to avoid those locations.
0: Got it. Yeah. That's, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. That's, that's really good. Um, as we wrap up here, where can our listeners reach out to you and uh, um, anything else you want to plug before we, before we sign off? yeah i mean you can check out
2: the podcast we talk about all of these things and, and more we talk about how we're scaling our business instagram i'm on there all the time i'm trying to give you know inside looks uh back up i, I do get on twitter not as 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 much <laughs> as i should I, I twitter is kind of a, a mean world but uh, no, so. it can
0: it can be yes yes yeah, sure. yeah,
2: i uh-huh. haven't i haven't got it down yet so uh
0: but so what's and, the and the the names of the two podcasts aj osborne
2: <laughs> So AJ Osborne podcast, AJ Osborne on Instagram, and then self-storage income. So anyone that's like, I really want to learn about uh, self-storage, self-storage income is the education company behind self-storage, which once again, it's all like free. So it's YouTube podcasts, and we talk only about self-storage and we talk about everything.
0: Awesome. And the name of your book?
2: Uh, growing wealth in self-storage, the investors guide to growing wealth in self-storage. It's the blue one on Amazon. It's, uh, yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, AJ. I know you've got a thousand things to get to, so really appreciate it. Your story is incredible. It's the, it, it, I know it's going to be inspiring for somebody out there. So I know this, this hour was well worth it. So thanks. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
2: Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
0: And to our listeners out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, which is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.
0: Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.